looking on our Sunday mornings at the life of Moses, and um, we're coming to the end, near the end of that um, series. But uh, I wanted us to just read very briefly one uh, passage from Deuteronomy and then a couple from Hebrews um, for this morning. So from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 14 and 15, if you want to follow it in your Bibles or on your thingies, what's this? It's on the screen as well. So Deuteronomy 18, verse 14 and 15. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination, but as for you... The Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. And then from Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets Many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And then from chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Should we just pray? Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray just as we spend some time just thinking about the the meaning of these words. Lord, give us understanding, we pray, to see you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. In recent weeks, um, I've been um, running the Alpha course. Some of you have been on the Alpha course. And it's been quite interesting to hear people's views on lots of different things. But I was quite interested when someone said to me, I'm happy to believe in God, but I struggle with Jesus. Happy to believe in God, but I struggle with Jesus. I wonder when you first understood who Jesus was. 
really understood who he is. When you could say, as Thomas said, my Lord and my God. When did that moment of revelation hit you? Was it when you read the scriptures? Was it when you heard someone explain to you who Jesus really was? And throughout the Old Testament, and particularly as we've gone through Genesis and Exodus and and looked at the life of Moses, it's all been pointing to Jesus. You see, Jesus was there from the very beginning. I think some people think that actually Jesus came on the scene when he appeared at Bethlehem. But he was there from the very beginning. He spoke creation into being. Right there in the beginning of Genesis, it's let us make mankind in our image. Plural, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Jews of uh, Jesus' day believed in God but struggled with Jesus. Are you greater than our father Abraham, they asked. And Jesus said this most amazing things. He said, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. But my father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He did see it and was glad. Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus claiming to be before Abraham? Are you greater than our father Jacob, asked the Samaritan woman. Can you give us water from this well like Jacob did? And Jesus says, I'll give you living water. It will never run out. And you'll never go thirsty. Pharisees said to Jesus, show us a sign. And Jesus said, I'll show you the sign of Jonah. The one greater than Jonah is here. One greater than Solomon is here. We've been looking at the life of Moses, who came to be revered as the most significant figure in Jewish faith and thought. But he points to Jesus. And in these farewell speeches that we've been looking at in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is made up of the farewell speeches of Moses to the people. It's the the renewing of the law, second law. That's what Deuteronomy means. He's led these people and he's loved them and he's urged them never to forget what God has done for them. Chapter 4, chapter 6, he urged them to love God with all their heart and mind and soul and strength. And he urged them in chapter 8 to trust God with their past and their present and their future. And just in those tiny verses that we read, Moses prophesies that God will raise up another from among them and they are to listen to him. But over time they became attached to the memory of Moses as their founding father and they fell in love with his memory and not his message. 
He was the one God raised up to be the one who led them out of slavery. He was the one that God protected from his birth. He was the one who met God at the burning bush, who spoke with the Lord face to face as one speaks to a friend. He was the one who confronted Pharaoh. He was the one who led the people of God out of slavery in Egypt. He was the one who had gone up the mountain as their mediator and received from God the commandments. He was the one for whom, despite all their grumbling, pleaded their case when they rebelled. And Moses held such a place in the affections of the religious elite that 14 centuries later, 1,400 years later, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, the Jews rejected Jesus by saying, we're disciples of Moses. As for you, we don't know where you even come from. And it was spoken in the context when Jesus had healed a man who was born blind. And the man who was born blind says, I can't believe this. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. I was born blind. Where do you think he comes from? Who was the spiritually blind? Moses reminds them again and again that they are to put God first. No one else. It was the Lord who rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. It's the Lord who is the hero of this story. And Moses makes clear that the Lord has something better in store for his people, even better than the law that they had received. Even better than the freedom from physical slavery. Yes, the law was from God, but it was not God's first word or last word. His first and last word is salvation. It's grace. And one day the Passover sacrifice and the blood sacrifices that you can read of all the way through Leviticus would be fulfilled by a better sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice. Once for all sacrifice for all mankind. Jesus, the Lamb of God. And that one day the Israelites which had that small band of priests, would expand to a priesthood of all believers. Do you know you are a priest and I am a priest in the house of God? New Testament describes the church as a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. And one day they would not have to stand at a distance because the most holy place would be open to everyone who believes. Because when Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Access. Moses knew that God would send a greater one their great high priest, their true prophet, the king of kings. One who would be completely obedient to the law without sin from the line of their ancestors, 
but who was before all of them. He would bring a new covenant. Moses told the Israelites, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. You must listen to him. And when John the Baptist came, leading the nation in repentance and revival as a forerunner to Jesus, some asked him, are you the prophet? They were quoting from Deuteronomy, are you the prophet that Moses spoke about? But they didn't listen to his reply because his reply was, no. There is one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Jesus. And then to his disciples, he points out Jesus and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Philip, who was one of John's disciples, runs to his friends and says, We found the one Moses wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transformed before some of his disciples, who was with him on the mountain? Moses and Elijah. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my son. Listen to him. It's the fulfillment of this scripture that we read in Deuteronomy. That moment that Moses prophesied had arrived. It was time for the Israelites to exchange their memories for the Messiah. Their religion for a relationship with God. I mean, Moses matters, but Jesus matters more. Hebrews writes, Jesus is worthy of much greater honor. Moses was a servant of God, a temporary servant. But Jesus is God the Son, the eternal Son before Abraham, who came and lived amongst us, who came and suffered for us. Who is Jesus? He is God. So if you believe in God and struggle with Jesus, there is a problem there, isn't there? Because Jesus is God. But I can understand why people struggle with Jesus because he demands a response. He demands that we own up, that we can't do it ourselves. That we're not in charge of God, but actually we owe him everything that we are. And sometimes we do forget that Jesus is God. With the Father and with the Holy Spirit. It's not God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. Jesus was not a messenger, but the message he was not a witness to the revelation. He was the revelation of who God is. 
you want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. We see what God is like and he is for us. And he died for us on the cross that we might be forgiven, restored, that we might have eternal life and not perish. But the religious leaders said in John 19, we have a law. And according to the law, you must die, Jesus. The law that pointed to Jesus, they use against him. According to the law, you must die. Because you claim to be the Son of God. And what they couldn't, wouldn't, refused to comprehend or conceive was that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises. He was the true Passover lamb, the perfect spotless lamb of God. And you know what Jesus said to them? He says, your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set, because you, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. I believe in God, but I struggle with Jesus. Without Jesus, you might believe in God. But would you know he loves you? Without Jesus, you might believe in God, but would you know that he can forgive all our sins? And it's that barrier that needs to be broken so that we can have a relationship with God in all its fullness, not just for this life, but beyond. And more importantly, beyond. Because in this life, there is all manner of things, of trouble and darkness, but Jesus is going to make all things new. Who is Jesus is. He's coming again. The same person said, this church makes so much of Jesus. Never been to a church that makes so much of Jesus. Well, amen. Have you been to a church that doesn't make much of Jesus? Oh, I didn't want that rhetoric. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us we have a Father in heaven. Would you ever know you had a Father in heaven unless Jesus said you can call God your heavenly Father and to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, I will go and will send you another like me to be with you forever. That's why we make so much of Jesus. No, we don't leave the Father out, no. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we must understand who Jesus is. He was there from the very beginning with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he'll be there at the very end with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. 
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He sustains everything by his powerful word. Who is Jesus? Paul says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. This is Jesus. Our Jesus. Our Savior. It's who he is. Have you invited him into your heart? Well, you're here this morning. Well, I believe in God. But that Jesus stuff. Mm, a bit much. The demons believe in God. But they're not saved. There are many people who believe in gods. And they're not saved. Do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you trusting in Christ for your forgiveness for this new life and if you're here this morning you've never bowed the knee to Jesus you've never said my Lord and my God maybe today is the day that you do that today is the day of salvation all across the world there will be people saved today because Jesus is saving people that's why we worship him that's why we exalt him that's why we make more of him because of who he is. And we're going to share in this simple meal that he shared with his disciples. Do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes I think, I'm never going to forget you, Jesus. I don't need this to remember you. But we do it because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Because when we do it, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Karis, would you come? Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Lord Jesus, thank you that you left your throne in heaven and all the glory of heaven and humbled yourself 
to become a human being like us, that you might save us. And you offered your perfect, sinless life for our imperfect, sinful life. And through your sacrifice and your blood, the perfect Passover lamb, we are saved, we are forgiven, we have new life, and we can share this news with everyone. And we pray that you give us fresh courage to be Jesus' people. Our workplaces, the people we meet day by day, our homes, families, communities. Lord, would we be Jesus' people? And even today, maybe in this place, maybe you've said, yeah, you believe in God, but you've never nailed it down and said, Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I may walk with you through this life and into eternity. And Jesus invites you today because the invitation to share this meal is for everyone who believes in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love and grace. We exalt you, Jesus. We're going to sing a song as we just prepare to share this simple meal together. And it's a song that just focuses our hearts, our thoughts on Jesus and who he is.